You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. From our new HQ, our glass house here in Mission, Texas. The old Benson Realty property here in, in Mission, Texas. Taylor and Business 83. I'm proud to be joining you today. You can I invite you to join us online at KURV.com, also at Radio Parami. I got a friend, I got a family in the studio, Teclos family, man. We've been talking for like decades, watching the Valley economy explode. It's just amazing. Teclo Garcia, Mission Economic Development. The other day I was sitting in his office and talking away. I learned so much in that little conversation <laughs> with him. And one thing that stuck with me was Legos. 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 Did you know? Now, I'll, I'll let Teclo tell you. <laughs> Those, all those Legos, the very expensive Legos, chances are you're buying a whole bunch of that for your kids. Maybe buy it for yourself like I do <laughs> and store them away for my kids to resell in the future. I love Legos. I love Legos. <laughs> They're right down the street, almost literally down yeah. the street being produced. Tell me, tell me about the Monterrey facility and how it provides Legos to everybody around here. Right. Um, you know, Monterrey is an industrial giant yeah. and uh, Legos based in uh, Denmark. And uh, but they they have, are producing or have been producing Legos in Monterrey for some time. But uh, Lego has reduced their their production facilities to to three worldwide. I, I hope I'm correct on that. Okay. One in Europe, um, one in Asia, which would be Denmark, right? Denmark. That's, uh, yeah. it, it might not be Denmark. It might be in one of the um, uh, one of the um, uh, Eastern European countries for uh, oh, uh, that a would make l- sense. less uh, expensive, cheaper labor. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not reflected the, on the, the price, by the way. It's not reflected <laughs> no, on the these no. suckers are expensive. No, right? the headquarters over there in in, um, in Denmark, and then yeah. the the other one in Asia. I'm not sure where it is, uh, but the, the 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 one for the Americas is in Monterrey. <laughs> That's so crazy. yeah, they produce all the uh, the Legos for the Americas um, in Monterrey, and uh, they have about a, they have a campus there of buildings, and they have more than six thousand employees. Uh, they are producing Legos. Jesus Imagine crazy. that. Yeah, and then they ship them. Um, my understanding, the way I was told by uh, Lego folks, is they, uh, for the Americas, they ship by truck to Mexico uh, uh, markets. But for the for the rest, for the U.S., which is their primary market, and then the other countries, they ship the Legos by truck from Monterrey up to DFW for distribution around the country. And there then the go. others, they send to um, to Memphis to get on FedEx, say, say to send to Colombia or Brazil or wherever they're going to send them. I joked with Freddie a long time ago, uh, producer Freddie, I say, you know, if this thing doesn't work out, I'll just go find me the perfect job. I'll go work at the assembly line at the Lego factory. <laughs> I don't know where that is. I love Legos. I'd love to build Legos all day long and just work on the assembly line. And it's in Monterrey. Yeah. I'd have to go work in Monterrey, Mexico. Well, you can work at the Lego store at the mall. Yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. And which is... Monterrey, Saltillo, the industrial north of Mexico, plus other markets, the industrial mm-hmm. powerhouse that is northern Mexico, is producing all sorts of Americana type oh, of stuff. You sure. tell me what you just told me Oreos, Oreos all of it, Oreos is in Mexico. Um, uh, Chips Ahoy. Uh, <laughs> oh, most of the for the U.S. Most of the the Ken, Ken and Barbie dolls are, are made by Mattel. Of course, uh, outside of Monterey, yeah, John not? Deere has huge facilities. Why not? Even the E Mustang. I don't think it's done in Monterey, but I think it's maybe Hermosillo somewhere else. Yeah. What happened to? Do you remember how there was a big announcement, and it was the governor, the young governor or mayor of Monterey, and Elon Musk they announced that there was going to be a production of some, you know, Tesla vehicle, and then all of a sudden, no, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're, we're going to do it here in Austin. After all, we're going to do it up here. I don't remember what the, the vehicle announcement. I do remember the facility, the Gigafactory uh-huh. that they're going to build in Monterey. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, w- was that to, to uh, an assembly line for a vehicle or oh, like yeah. battery production? It's going to be just like the. But one then they that, pulled it, right? They, it's like no, not no? that I'm aware of. Uh, okay. It's been slow going. Okay, uh, they've got to have a lot of permits and clearances, uh, uh, you know, because they're building it um, not in the town; they're building it out in the country. And so um, I, don't, I don't know all the challenges that they've had, but it has slowed down some. But the last I've seen was they're committed to building a factory there. Well, all, the buzzword these days, and we had uh, friends from, you know, the Economic Development Office from the, from Richard, uh, Richard Cortez or County Judge. They, sure. They're doing EDC stuff. And yep. that's all Richard, man. I mean, his mindset as a mayor in EDC mindset. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, COSTAP, uh, they're working hard, too. Yes, uh, of With course. a whole bunch of other entities mm-hmm. in the area. But everybody talking about 
nearshore, reshore, post-COVID, all sorts of industry and businesses. They want to uproot from China, uproot from Asia, come back home, closer to home, if not not in the U.S., maybe Mexico. Is there room? Uh, Yeah, there is. I mean, they have massive, amazing, huge, beautiful industrial parks in Monterrey. But when I hear the, the number of companies and the demand for it, Companies coming back. I'm yeah, there, there is. I mean, Mexico is in the right place at the right time. And they have been uh, aggressively pursuing these companies from from uh, Asia yeah. to not necessarily. Are you able to gauge how well they're doing as far as landing? Look, yeah. I'd like more than potato chip. I would love more than chocolate chip. Anyway. <laughs> I'd love to see more of like what you, uh, you're familiar, you know, you're very familiar with what Keith and all the gang, yep. they're doing at McAllen EDC and yeah. helping them with that. Chip, computer chip manufacturing that is a national security issue for us. And yeah. then pharmaceutical manufacturing. Yeah. That stuff's got all the antibiotics mm-hmm. and the medicines for the American population. Yeah. When you say that fever reducers and antibiotics, like 90-plus percent of that's made in China, dude, that is a major security risk. It is, we got to bring that stuff right? back over here. Security, we can do that. Security and logistics. Just imagine even if there wasn't a security issue, we found out that logistics is also an issue. How so? Well, I mean, if if you wanted, if they were making all the chips or or let's just, for instance, say they were making all these widgets in, in China that didn't um, didn't um, have a security issue, but yet somehow we needed a whole bunch at one time. Yeah. Well, that's a two-week, you know, three-week oh, lead time yeah. uh, to get them. And, and what if that was, what if no, they couldn't get them No, and if here? it's their skin versus ours, they'll yeah. do to us when it came to personal protection sure. equipment, medical equipment. Yeah, yeah. Um, the masks, the medicines, those boats steaming this way, they'll do a U-turn, go back to China. They protected their own. Oh, yeah. They held that stuff from us. Remember how yeah. we were begging for medical personal protection equipment well, from that, the high schools and the local colleges. That's exactly my point. Um, even, if, even, if, um, even if they wanted to, how could we uh, have this um, direct line from China for products where the medical or technology that would be as near as quick as they were would be in Mexico or here in the U.S.? They, they, it, can't, it can't happen. I mean, the lead time, our containers were, you know, some of these shipping containers were, uh, to uh, to buy were like four thousand or five thousand dollars, and during during uh, COVID, you know, they were up to forty thousand dollars or more. Yeah. So, I mean, all kind of things can happen, and that's that's what really kind of, um, if you will, if you can use this phrase, scared straight um, the manufacturers uh, in the U.S. Uh, and and how they would handle their production lines. Should there should they be more diversified? You know, because a lot of times, you know, you hear entrepreneurs in the U.S. You know, they think of a product and it and it hits, and they make they make contracts in China, and they move to China to oversee the production, and everything is based in China. Well, they're figuring that's not they have figured out that that's not the best thing, not completely divesting themselves of China, mm-hmm. but spreading out their production facilities to countries like Mexico or Costa Rica or India or somewhere else, but especially those closer like. Uh, Central and um, pardon me, Mexico and Central America, but but Mexico has been the recipient of a lot of this, a lot of this, um, this phenomena, right? And you know what's amazing? Teclo Garcia, Mission Economic Development, uh, our mm. guest uh, here in the studio at KURV in Mission, Texas. Very proud to say that we're, yes, we're in Mission, <laughs> and so is Teclo. <laughs> we're able to say that that we're in Mission. Um, it's interesting to hear from some other folks that are watching what's taking place when they reshore and all that. They say. They tell me it's really not that big, man. It's like ninety percent of the manufacturing is still there. We're only looking at about five, seven, eight percent that are bolting from Asia coming back. That's and you, you think, well, that's not a lot, but mm, it is. Th- it is considering how how deeply married we are on the manufacturing side. We're we're vulnerable, man. We're we're yeah. we're dependent yeah. on China. That's scary. Yeah, we may be too dependent on China, but but I tell you what. In addition to what what movement there's been, decisions have been made on the corporate level. Uh, I'll give you an example. I'll say Ford, right, and GM. They um, have found the money or you know necessary to build battery factories because of their vehicles. They need battery batteries for their vehicles. Well, they didn't go to China. They went to Mexico, and they're building those in Mexico. A billion dollars in Monterrey a billion dollars in Saltillo, another billion in Hermosillo, right? So those decisions, while those aren't uh, reshoring or nearshoring, 
those decisions are being made to keep manufacturing closer to the U.S., and that's really important as well. I, I mean, mean there's, there's one thing. I'm sorry, sir. Yeah, no, go ahead. Sergio. Um, one thing, um, I think people, those in the know, like, you know, that deal with Mexico a lot, like our friends at, Mitch, at McAllen EDC and, and other folks that cross the border every day, they, they understand this. But, I mean, people don't understand just how integrated the U.S. and Mexico are when it comes to trade. And not only that, it's going further. Uh, Sergio, have you ever heard of Arkansas State University in Jonesboro, Arkansas? Uh-huh. They have a full-on campus in in Querétaro. What? They they have a football stadium. They've got like 15 buildings, uh, a student center, et cetera. Why Arkansas State? I have no idea why. Are they training the management teams for the They've got a whole manufacturer. But, but I'm just saying as an example, this is how how integrated our two countries uh, are becoming. Uh, I mean, they we are we are uh, we're connected at the hip, not just through trade, but also through other things. So much has been said about warehousing that we need, and yeah. we need square footage like available like immediately, like ready, turnkey, open up, let's go, and say, look, welcome to McAllen, welcome to Mission, welcome to Edinburgh. I there you go. Here's here's this, and I know, and, and I mm-hmm. hear from you and Edinburgh and McAllen, mm-hmm. you guys calling each other and say, hey, I got a couple of problems. Yep. I'm gonna throw you somebody because yep. I don't got the room over here. Yes, uh, and. It sure would be nice to see more of this, like this little headline that uh, Tim has, uh, you know, the groundbreaking nearshoring industrial park in McKellen and warehouse park, uh, 128 acres. Mm -hmm. This times 10, I think, would put us in a a great position, Cameron County, Hidalgo County, to grab some of that low-hanging fruit and people that are, you know, the phone calls that are are coming in. That's probably the best, fastest way to increase the skids to get those jobs. It is. I mean, uh, The uh, that's by the way that's a project by Joaquin Spammer who's uh, oh thank you Mr. Spammer who is yeah. a local um, yeah. a mission guy um, that has uh, always been involved in trade and he's always been in, in organizations like uh, the Border Trade Alliance uh, to kind of push trade but yeah he's making a major investment but but it's exactly what we Rhodes Killam Cantu mm-hmm. Spammer I mean the the assets are there. Yeah. And not to mention somebody knocking over at Elon Musk. Hey, Vato. Hey, you're, we're our neighbor. <laughs> How about, you know, mocha thing? You know, yeah. let, let's get in a business. <laughs> we, we, right. uh, you know, we could land yeah, yeah. to benefit him. I mean, there's yeah. no reason that Robstown should have a battery production. Well, that should be here yeah. in the Valley. And yeah. I know he's always wheeling and dealing, looking for an, an easier angle and, and incentives. But, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. And, and yes, uh, folks like him step, uh, like Mr. Spammer, uh, step up to, to do this. These kind of things, it, it can be nothing um, but positive for us. Um, regarding um, what you had mentioned just a few minutes ago, that maybe some folks say, "Well, it's it's not that big," and you know, but you know, seven percent or five percent of what China does. I mean, China is humongous. Yeah, that, that's what you I know? was. Jeez, I mean, because it may not in percentage might seem that much, but it goes to show how married we are. Where seven eight percent is a whopper of a number of companies headed back this yeah. way, and then we got. Economic folks and politi- politicals scratching their head, going, "Oh man, where do we put them? Like, how quickly? How do we absorb them? And then work on uh, supply chain issues back yeah, into the country." Yeah. It's amazing it because is. over a generation, how much we've married to China, it's, which to me says, uh, just my opinion, more America first, more America center. We yeah. got to bring a lot of those jobs yeah, well, back we, over we, here. We're and too we have dependent. to take advantage of Mexico. I mean, we yes, really sir. do. I and, agree, and I mean in, in that in the best way. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Laredo is the largest port on uh, the border, yeah. and uh, and they handle about forty percent of all U.S. Mexico trade. And a couple of years ago, there were two hundred million, two hundred billion dollars in trade. Okay, and that, and I'm talking about in 2021. In 2023, they're at three hundred billion dollars in trade, right? And you don't just move up a hundred billion dollars and say, oh, nothing's happening in Mexico. No, there is a reason why. And by the way, Laredo at at three hundred billion dollars trade, that's about eighty billion dollars more than the Port of Houston. Yeah. The Port of Houston massive it is massive. Laredo does eighty yeah. billion dollars more. That says a lot. Yeah. That says a hell sure of a does. lot. And still growing. Still growing, of and course. With Mexico now with a ding 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 ding. Mexico biggest trading partner compared to China. They surpassed China. Mm-hmm. Great opportunities. Yeah. May God give you wisdom and the guys at Edinburgh EDC and Harlins yeah. and Brownsville and McAllen. Because yeah. we need to seize this opportunity. And we've got all the game pieces on the board now with the university, with the technical colleges, South Texas College, TSE, mm-hmm. and everybody else. And the school districts too. They're not left too far behind. Yeah. We got the young workforce in the middle of our 
Um, continued success in 24, my brother. I, I hope. Thank you. You guys thank you. bring it in. And welcome the, to Mission. And yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll, come, we'll come check back with you after, what would you say, after hurricane season? <laughs> see if we're still here the glass house that, that we're in. Good to see you, brother. Thanks for stopping by. Techvo Garcia, Mission Economic Development. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Our District 15 Congresswoman Monica de la Cruz joining us on the program. And I guess she liked, um, enjoyed the ride so much, she's willing to stand in line to buy another ticket. Uh, Monica, welcome to the program. I understand that. Uh, Monica de la Cruz joining us. I, I understand you, you, you're in line now. You, you want another go at it, and you filed <laughs> before the the deadline. So describe the experience over the past couple of years. Uh, you eagerly standing in line like another another ride on Space Mountain, or is it, you know, something that uh, that uh, you look forward to with some hesitation? And because I mean, man, you just don't know what you're going to get after 2024 as far as leadership in the U.S. House. Well, good morning. And, you know, that's the first time that I hear it uh, um, as standing in line at Space Mountain. And I can tell you that that's putting it mildly, okay? It has been quite a ride. And this year has been full of twists and turns, up and downs. But I'll tell you what, Sergio, I made a commitment to South Texas. And South Texas allowed me the opportunity to fulfill that commitment. And there's a lot of work to do. We've made great strides in 2023. We passed two pieces of legislation that were bipartisan out of the House floor, which is remarkable when it hadn't been done, not even barely one piece, and that was 20 years ago. So there's a lot of work to be done, and I'm getting back in the game so that we can keep fulfilling the promise we made for South Texas. Obviously what stands out because you are, you know, here from the border, you know, border security issues are, you know, dominant when it comes to conversations. But let me ask about something you and I hardly ever get to talk about. Uh, your committee work, committee assignment. Uh, which committees do you belong to? Tell me about some of the work over the past couple of years, what you're looking forward to continuing uh, the next two if you're sent back to D.C.? So I am on two House committees. One is the Agricultural Committee, which is perfectly in line with the farmers and ranchers and South Texas, really. And so I've had the the honor of being able to advocate for the number one concern that they have, which is water scarcity and getting our water from Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, thankfully, just last week, we actually passed one of the pieces of legislation off the House floor, a House resolution calling on Mexico to give us the water that they should be giving us as per the treaty. Uh, the second thing in agriculture is the farm bill. And actually, when I get off the phone with you, I've got a meeting with the Farm uh, House Committee to tell them what our priorities are and what we want to see, which is making sure that we have a, a safety net, a strong safety net for our farmers and ranchers. SNAP benefits are important to our community as 25% of our community is on SNAP. And again, it comes down to water and uh, feral hogs. I've got another piece of legislation <laughs> yeah, a lot uh, of pertaining to feral hogs. Yeah, right. So, for, okay, let's, let's go on down that road because, man, we got a lot of bacon running all over the place here in South Texas. So what's a potential solution or, you know, from, from your lofty perch up in D.C., I mean, what can the federal government do or, or encourage in order to you know, eradicate this problem or at least tamp it down a bit? 
Well, I've met with several of our farmers and ranchers in South Texas concerning feral swine. And what we've got to do is compile the information and actually put a study together so that we can come up with resolutions that will help our farmers and ranchers in this area. Our feral swine population is is just really out of control. And, And most people who are not in the farming industry or ranching industry are probably scratching their heads saying, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Why would this be such a big deal? And it's a big deal because it ruins uh, property. It uh, ruins crops. It uh, also uh, will, will ruin a- other uh, animals that are on the farms and yeah. ranch- ranches. So, yeah, we've got to get that under control. Yeah, they're for all very aggressive. They'll, they'll hurt people as well. And there have been huge numbers and multiplying really yeah. quickly. Yeah. Monica de la Cruz. And- yeah, Republican congresswoman. Yes, yes, ma'am, go ahead. I, I would like to tell you something that's really important that I'm working on on financial services, and that's been in the news in the financial services world, and that is really my work um, um, standing against Basel III and uh, the 1071 rule. That is going to really impact our community banks. I've uh, worked hand-in-hand with uh, community banks such as Rio Bank, who are uh, speaking very loudly pertaining to this rule. And why it's important is because it'll go, uh, it'll impact small business owners, minority business owners, and that is our community. And so I've, I've done a lot of legislative work talking about Rule 1071 and how it's going to impact our community banks. I'm real proud of that work But just well. to that and had a conversation, I appreciate you following up on that. Uh, yes, with the chief over at uh, Rio Bank, uh, Mr. Ford Sasser gave us a long interview and the gist of it. It's a compulsory data acquisition uh, that would, would force all these banks to hand over, actually require people seeking loans, businesses seeking loans to, to provide all sorts of very intrusive, very deep uh, information, very personal information for the sake of making everything, bank lending, making it PC from the small banking community. And it, it's these are onerous uh, requirements, and a pushback to that is required because you got that federal agency out there that's just uh, working with rule of law, unconstitutional rule of law, to force small businesses, small banks to you know, provide all this compulsory data for the sake of um, political correctness and all this crazy culture that we're in. These days, Monica de la Cruz, Republican Congresswoman from District 15, has filed again to run for Congress. You'll see her on the ballot uh, in the March primary and, of course, uh, uh, on the regular ballot, the regular ballot in come November. Border security, just quick thought from you before I let you go. Since we are now in a more single-issue-minded approach when it comes to legislation in the House, if you had a chance to file for one single-issue border security-related in 2024, what would it be, Monica? My goodness, the the Biden's open border is a complete disaster. And unfortunately, it is not just one single issue. There are so many issues when it comes to the border. But I'm going to tell you that the brave men and women in Border Patrol who are really defending our national sovereignty need help. Everything from technology But at the end of the day, technology, boots on the ground, but at the end of the day, it's really the policies and the failed policies of the Biden administration that is causing catastrophic, catastrophic um, um, circumstances in our nation. In fact, the FBI just recently said that uh, there's a high threat of terrorism in our nation now. And I thought, well, yeah, hello, where have you been? Yeah, and it sounds like uh, the whole approach of asylum rules needs to be addressed by Congress immediately if it can if it can be a, a single-issue legislation, put everybody on record. Monica, thank you, and uh, we wish you the best. Uh, call again. Our Congresswoman, District 15, Texas, Monica Villacruz. This is The Sergio Show.
start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday mornings starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday mornings starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. It's a Merry Christmas in the Rio Grande where it's still warm enough to play in South Padre Sand. Merry Christmas from the four counties in this land. Hidalgo, Cameron, Star and Willis see Merry Christmas from the Rio Grande. <laughs> I love it. Gavin Lovestrand, right? Did I say the name right, Gavin? Adenati. All right. There's, uh, Gavin Adenati. Ad, say again, say again. Adenati. It's like an Audi, like a naughty, (laughs) like a naughty Audi, but Audi naughty. There you go. And it's Rachel Lovestrand. Sorry, I assumed uh, too much on the on the on the the last name. All right. Well, welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, we're on seven ten K U R V Facebook Live as well. And that was your voice, right, Rachel? Yes, it was. Yeah. Was did you write that song, Gavin? Yeah, we both wrote it. I did the music, and Rachel did the lyrics. I love your accent. That. You ain't from around these parts, like they say around. No, I'm originally from the same place Elon Musk is from, South Africa. Oh, South Africa. (laughs) My goodness. Where are you guys living here in South Texas? In Mercedes. Mercedes, Texas. All right. So is songwriting, is is that what you do, or is that a a hobby? Yeah, no. Songwriting is my hobby. Okay. And I've been doing it for a lot of years, and um, it was just natural to write a song about the RGV because I was teaching here. Yeah, yeah. Well, her background, um, she's being very modest. She's a, a degreed musician, and she played in the Valley Symphony Orchestra, and she's a school music teacher. So You still teaching? I'm teaching. I taught 20 years in public schools, and right now I'm teaching in private schools. All in the Valley? Here in the Valley. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three yeah. years in Sherryland, and then my other part of, the other part of my career was in Mercedes. All right. She basically grew up in the Valley. So you found this... South African young man over here. I found him. Yeah, where'd you find him? I, I actually, I actually found him. I, li- <laughs> I was living in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. So. so, you retired now, or what you doing? Um, my day gig is helping people find jobs. Um, okay. I mean, talent acquisition. Um, that's actually how we connected through LinkedIn. You're a headhunter. Yes. For for a, for, a certain type of industry. Yeah, engineering, mechanical, yeah, electrical my. engineers. You still doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Still doing it. How much? To, well, yeah, with the job market the way it is right now, crazy. That's what I love openers. about your show. I yeah. mean, you you learn so much about what's happening. Yeah. Um, in the valley. Man, I learn stuff every day. I, I'm thankful that, like the economic folks, city hall folks, county folks, oh, yeah. state. Like we had just had Teclo Garcia from Mission EDC sitting. I just learned so much. I sat in his office last week. I didn't know that like the Lego manufacturing factory was in Monterrey, Mexico. What? Like all the Oreos made for North America were in Monterrey, Mexico. It's like That's what? As I learned stuff, well, bike stands, everybody driving around town, working like real jobs for a living. Learn stuff as well. My guest uh, in the studio, Gavin Audenardi. And also Rachel Lovestrand. Adonati. Adonati. Yeah, put the hyphen in there. And their song, Merry Christmas from the Rio Grande. You heard a little bit of it. We'll, we'll play a little bit more of it going into break. Um, so you posted this on YouTube. We'll put the YouTube link to, to that on, on Facebook as, as well and, and, our, and our website. It's a fun song to play. The themes that you chose, all very traditional themes. Because there's a very traditional Rio Grande Valley. There's the agricultural segment of it, you know, the weather and, and all those things. But the valley's growing and changing so crazy. I mean, it's like the next song you're going to be writing about. You're going to be talking about the industrial powerhouse at the Port of Brownsville <laughs> yeah. and rockets going to Mars, <laughs> well, right? I was just saying we need the third yeah, verse now. We did right? talk about adding a third verse. Yeah, but well, SpaceX <laughs> or something like that, like the <laughs> spaceport to Mars and all those crazy, wonderful things taking place. In your 20-some-odd years, right, in the yeah. valley— you ever think you see a day like this in South Texas? 
Well, it seems like yesterday we it were is. driving on 83, and yes. there were still fields on both sides. Yes, you're right. Things yeah. have really grown. Share the idea of what, where the song came from. Well, Gavin came to the valley to marry me, and he started researching. Uh-huh. And so he was researching and finding out these things about you know the Magic Valley. He would look up uh, maps on you on um, on the internet, and we'd be looking, and we'd be, we'd be driving around, and he'd be like, "Hey, there's the this and that." And um, so and at, school, at school, at school, the kids were uh, working on their drawings for the Mercedes Enterprise every year. Uh-huh. All the all the ch- children draw pictures, and so my students were drawing, drawing pictures. Snow. They were sn- drawing snowmen, and they were like, it "Doesn't snow here?" <laughs> and it has snowed a few times, uh-huh. and I could just see it in their faces that they felt like their Christmas wasn't as good as other people's Christmas. Uh-huh. So I went home and and wrote it, brought it to school. The kids loved it. Yeah. And we so, sang when, it. When did you write it? Is, is Ten it, years ago. Ten years ago. Oh, so it's, oh, I thought, I just assumed it was like you just came out with that recently. <laughs> yeah. So they've been singing it at school maybe um, a couple of times? Different times. Yeah. Not every year. Yeah. I would have the kids. Perform. Ten years ago, we definitely need a third Verse on that one, yeah. <laughs> considering all the changes. One of my pretty, colleagues yeah. uh, did a band arrangement, and so um, the actually the McAllen Town Band performed the song. Very nice. A few I, years back, and That's the people good. went crazy when they someone sang it, and uh, when they the heard the, the lyrics, went, yeah. they went crazy. They Thank loved you for it. sharing that with me, Gavin. I really appreciate. It. See, it's Gavin who, who reached out and said, "Hey, listen to this." And it's been around for 10 years. I'm, I barely come around and listen to it. It's a really, really good song, y'all. I, I like it. Very Christmassy. Did, did snow 20 years ago. Were you, you were here, right, when it, when it snowed? Did you get enough snow over at your, over at your house in Mercedes, like a foot? In like 2004, right? It was, yeah, it was about 10 years ago. And a few yeah. years back, it also snowed again. Yeah, just a little bit. But the big snow. Where we had snow on South Padre Island on the beach. Wow. That was like pff, 2003, 2004, almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Then they say it snows every hundred years <laughs> around here. So yeah. Snow on the beach. Wow. <laughs> clock is ticking. Yeah, clock is ticking. Well, you got another one, uh, another song coming up soon that's based on the Rio Grande Valley, or well, you're working there, on something actually, else. Actually, there is another song that I wrote for my students, uh-huh. so that um, because you know we're in education and we want to help them memorize different things. So, the song is about um, the. 83 and all the towns going east to west. It's, it's about north, south, east, and west. We live in the Rio Grande Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll love that. And I hope you mention all the communities in between because you're going to get some emails and maybe <laughs> phone calls. Hey, you forgot about El South. Yeah, you forgot about Ranchito. Yeah, you for- there's yeah, a few yeah. places not on the list, but. What's an unincorporated area? Uh, you forgot about Las Mipas. What, what's the yeah. other one, Freddie? Oh, San, hello, San, you forgot about San Carlos. Everybody's going to hit you up. But what when you have an eight-measure phrase, you can only fit so much in there. <laughs> That's going to happen. But what like, I've also learned is this is a giant MSA now for, yeah. you know, for funding. So soon everyone will think of it as one I hope metro so. area. You know? uh, and you got a good feel of that as a teacher, as an educator for uh, two decades now. Do, how do kids, your kids, uh, what, what, which, by the way, what grade are they I'm, I work with pre-K through eighth okay, grade. Okay, so you look with the babies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I would imagine that teenagers of today, the, the young ones who are coming into, you know, opening up their eyes to, to life, I would imagine they, that they see themselves, they see the valley different from how children, teenagers saw the valley 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I haven't heard, and I'm, I hate to say the following two words, but they were very dominant about 30 years ago when I came to the Valley. I moved down from Houston. Taco Tech, a pejorative, that was um, thrown at our local university back before it was associated with the University of Texas system. Uh, I haven't heard that term in years. And I do believe that a new generation in the Valley does not see, they do not identify themselves at all yeah. for that backward mentality, those pejoratives from 30-plus years ago, the valley has arrived. Mm-hmm. South oh, Texas yeah. has arrived. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to get better. Yeah, yeah and I see, because, you know, I look at resumes all day. I see yes. um, students from UTRGV up in Dallas, in different markets, working for big engineering firms. So they're being produced right here, schooled right here, and they, 
getting jobs all over. I mean, plus all of the thousands of jobs coming back. Yeah, here. now it's inverse. I mean, for you as a headhunter for industry, I would imagine uh, your services would fit right in with, with some of the folks arriving at the port would oh, be, yeah. or some of the industrial parks around here Yes, for you to find some of that engineering talent or bring it home. Yeah, bring some of those folks. But home. my clients are all in Dallas, where I used to live. So I got yeah. to figure out how to how to land a few. Oh, down we'll here. get you connected. Yeah, you got an expert headhunter for the which which fields? You said engineering. Engineering, yeah. So it can be aerospace. Um, huh. Jeez. Yeah. Hello, neighbor, Elon Musk. <laughs> you got a good headhunter down here. Yeah, because boy, they're expanding. They're expanding big time. Oh, uh, at Boca Chica. Yeah. Have you seen how huge the facilities oh, are? Yes. The warehousing is yes. taking place. I mean, they're, they're just getting started. Yeah, at, at SpaceX, yeah, it's well, brilliant. It's good to meet both of y'all. Thank you for stopping by. Yes, sir. Freddie, can you play the song on the way out? That way we can. Thank you, Sergio. We can say Merry Christmas Valley style. Yeah. Thank you for stopping by, y'all. It's a pleasure meeting Love you. Love what you do. Fantastic. Thank you for reaching out, Heaven. Thanks so much. Time is ten thirty-eight. The Sergio Show on Newstalk seven ten KURV. Thank you to Lone Star National Bank. Thank you to. South Texas Buick GMC and Manrique Custom Vision. Headlines next on 710K URV, The Sergio Show. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news. On News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Our friend Brian Kilmeade checking in. You can catch him weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. on News Talk 710-KURV. Let's look at some stocking stuffers. And man, Brian's got a whole library full of them. Of course, today, uh, we're just a quick mention of the uh, Teddy and Booker T book that's the most recent from Brian Kilmeade. But, you know, we've talked in the past, you know, Sam Houston, the Alamo, uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Lincoln, Frederick Douglass. Uh, he's got a book on Washington. There's, have you ever considered, like, bundling all these books into one series? Brian, may, maybe sell it off your, your website. And this would be like a perfect gift for, for some teenagers. Yeah, I mean, the, you're ahead of your time. Uh, because they they did put that together all except this book uh, into one set, so it's uh, actually all the the box into paperback, so you can nice. get that online too. Yeah. Um, but if people want to get this, Teddy and Booker T, you just go to BrianKillMe.com, so I can't get to excellent uh, your station this semester. It'll come to your. I could personalize and get it out. Hey, bud, is are all these books uh, AR enabled? You know, advanced reader where the kids can read and get like you know hundreds of thousands of words toward their like million word per year mark you know something it's one of these challenges that all these most well, some of these schools have are they ar enabled do you know i'm not sure okay but, uh i mean i know they got uh i know they've knocked down two books for scholastic knocked down two books for eight to 13 okay i, I need so, to go check online we'll yeah because this yeah. would be, this be perfect I, I know that, for example, the the Rush book. Remember him? The, he was doing some kids books some years back. Uh, this, great. Yeah, this would be perfect for that. Um, I'm I'm looking at, at all these books and, and the fact that our children. There's a new generation that we need to raise that is knowledgeable and, and appreciative, um, and puts into perspective American history. Because I'm, I'm looking at all these protests in American cities and, and universities of all places, where all this uh, this brute ignorance and violence. Uh, Ignorance that is expressed in, in defending this Palestinian terrorist group, Hamas, and hating on Jews and hating on Israel. And said, boy, we went way wrong. Uh, Gen X did not bring up millennials right, did not bring up uh, Gen Z right. And we got to go back to the American roots, American history, and, and 
man, we desperately need this, and, and it's going to be another generation. If, if we seed properly now, it'll be another generation before see, we see the fruits of that. And I think history books like the ones that you provide uh, would be a, a good start, but, but then we have to properly teach them at public schools. And I don't see public schools stumbling over themselves to grab this series and put it in front of kids' faces. You have to send your kid to a private school for something like that, I would imagine. I wonder, yeah, we'll see where you go to the right school. Yeah. You go to the right school and check out the curriculum ahead of time. Your public school, you have public school choice. Uh, that will begin to straighten things out, uh, and that's happening in ten states in the country. Hopefully, more. Then all of a sudden, you realize, well, we have nobody in the public school queue. We have to fire teachers and principals. Uh, what is the problem? Let me listen to the parents. So it could be a self-regulating situation, and then you know, if you have, instead of saying, "I wish I could afford to send my kid to a private school." Now you're going to get that eight to twelve thousand dollars, and say it doesn't come into your wallet, but it comes in a certificate, and say I think I'm going to give it to this school to send my kid because I've been telling you over and over again I don't like the the lack of American history in your curriculum, I don't like the the inflation of grades, I don't like the lack of accountability, and that'll begin to change things, including you know there's nothing more surprising or aggravating than seeing these idiots. Uh, protests on the streets for Palestinians who they've never met and couldn't care about before October 7th. Yeah. And now that uh, Israelis get killed, they can deny it happened and then protest for the killers. Brian Kilmeade, my guest, his new book, Teddy Roosevelt, Booker T. Washington. Look for it. He's got all this history books bundled up at his website. You know, this private public thing, it ain't going to happen in Texas anytime soon, sadly. We might need special session number five here pretty soon, and that might go down into defeat. And, and you know who's holding it? teachers' Right? The, yes, yes. And, and it's public schools. And, and it's sadly, and this has been going on for years, it's Republicans in the piney woods of East Texas, it's Republicans in the red, uh, red dirt soil of West Texas, Republicans, the major employer in these rural counties is the school district. And, yeah, it's the unions that are pushing a, yeah. up against it. It's really, uh, really Republican lawmakers really taking sad. money from unions. Yeah. Same thing in Alabama, where, where I'm at right now. Hearing all the stories last night, and research is a big story in the Wall Street Journal, that these public unions are paying, uh, giving substantial fees to the Republican lawmakers, and therefore they're not doing school choice, and it's terrible. Republicans should stand for something. I mean, that's something they could unite about. And, you know, you want to – Debate some other things that different people have different stances on. Okay, but it's not a matter of rhino or non-rhino. You, are you for education? Isn't that one mainstay of Republicans? And for twenty-four thousand dollars, you'll give that up? Come on! It's the rural communities versus the urban communities, and that's the argument. I hear all those quotes from this special legislative session. Yeah, my kids don't need it, and and our, we don't need to be. And the, only the cities will benefit for something like this. Well, that's. We're not going to solve anything in Texas with, with that mindset. Hey, tell me about Teddy Booker T. Uh, real quick, my brother. Well, I just want to talk about two great Americans in the middle of uh, segregated South, Jim Crow, the raging KKK. This guy named Booker T. Washington, born a slave, combined with powerful people like Teddy Roosevelt, uh, William McKinley, part of that, Andrew Carnegie, began to change things. Graduating 1,500 people at a time, African-Americans in the heart of the, of the Deep South. They changed the perception of African-Americans and became outstanding success stories all because this one guy would just not be denied. He used the power and money that he got to help the school and to help grow education through the area because he thought education, we just discussed it, was the key to uh, liberation and changing perceptions. Well, my parents told me one thing about, uh, about the color of people's skin and the difference in intellectual capabilities, but I'm seeing something totally different. I'm seeing the President of the United States treat Booker T. Washington like an equal, if not superior. I'm seeing William McKinley speak at commencement addresses. I'm seeing Grover Cleveland and William Howard Taft uh, talk about what a great American he is. I'm seeing this fantastic speaker speak to black and white audiences at one time. And the whole role modeling and what he did, I just feel as though he's not given enough credit. He he, he saw the injustice. He saw the, uh, the, uh, the blind spots that many white people had at the time. And he didn't hate them. He just changed it. He did the best he can to change the generation by his actions, not by sit-ins, uh, not by protests, but by pure action and education. And I, uh, I was moved by his personal story, and I wanted to combine it with another person well-known, Teddy Roosevelt, and see what he did 
and how he used Booker T. Washington as a key advisor in the South, the Leonard Leo of picking judges for that president. He goes, I just need the best person. Don't tell me the color of their skin or their gender. And he's putting people like Minnie Cox as postmaster general, a black woman. You know, he's taking William Cummings and putting him in key spots, a uh, dockmaster in the South and postmaster in other areas. So I just, you just see these things happening, even though Teddy Roosevelt had blind spots himself. He's a person of his times. I just wanted to point out some people, next time you go to a tailgate or a family get-together and someone starts ripping the country, I just thought maybe you should talk about Teddy and Booker T and like how they help the country. And what can you do to help to make our country be that unhappy? Uh, don't, don't tell us what's wrong. Just try to make us better. And that's what these two did. I was able to call up the advanced reader search site. You've got the, the games do count, George Washington, Six, six Secrets, and Thomas Jefferson and the Triple E Pirates. Those three are AR enabled. And uh, get your crew, see if you can get everybody else on there. Sam Houston, Alamo, Andrew Jackson, everybody else. Uh, get them onboarded for the kids to read this and count against uh, count for their million word count yearly. Lord bless you, brother. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. This is the Sergio Show. Well, welcome back to the program, Valerie Sokolovsky. Val, it's, it's good to talk to you again. How you been? I've been great. I've wondered where you've been. It's yeah. good to be with you <laughs> We're today. here. We're here, my friend. Well, we got a, a business story that relates to you know a little bit of, of etiquette, you know, tipping people. DoorDash is in the news. They've got this pilot program. So if you don't, if you don't tip your dasher, I think that's what they call the person that delivers the food, then some people getting some tourists, some nasty text messages and messages. Saying, hey, don't forget, you got to, you know, these people work for a living. You got to give them something. And they've seen a, a decrease in non tipping. But first, I wanted to get your thoughts on how the post COVID uh, tipping culture has changed. Everybody's asking for a tip. <laughs> I mean, you order out, you go to the counter, somebody just turns a little thing around for like serving you something real quick really not putting much of an effort, and they expect like an 18, 20, 22% tip. And I, don't, I, I just think it's just everything's gone awry. I mean, you're supposed to get a tip for full service when they come in and provide you and you know, your food and, and the refills and get you the dessert and all that when you sit down and eat somewhere. But everybody's asking right. for a tip. I, I don't know. I think it's, this is nuts. Well, not only that, I went into a restaurant that I frequent a lot and one particular sandwich is my favorite. It went up like 30% on yeah, the menu. Yeah. It, it's getting really frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. Do you withhold that tip for just like get out of your car, you go in there, you go pick it up, and they still want to tip? Do you, do you not tip? Because I, I don't. There's many times I don't. If the person went through mm -hmm. the extra effort, to go get another item for me or something like that, maybe. But I, I know I, and, I agree. But I still feel bad because I know this is what they do for a living, and but they're just at the front counter giving people stuff that they ordered by phone or things like that. Something simple. So let's go to Europe. Okay. <laughs> you don't tip in Europe, That's and true. probably the the people are paid more. But seriously speaking, uh, it is getting out of hand. Yeah. And. When you just think about what a tip is, it is to give back for some kind of a service. Yeah. I even went into a grocery store, not my normal one, but a grocery store I just had to run in, and they even were asking for tips. So <laughs> it's getting yeah. crazy. So let's talk about what do you do? Well, I think it's two things. One is it's a choice. It's a choice. You and I need to decide. I just received something. I'm being asked to give a tip. What do I want to give or can give? And oh, by the way, be sure you're not tipping. This is interesting. On the tax. I see a lot of people that just see that bottom number on a restaurant bill and they'll tip on that. Well, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. You're tipping on the government. Don't do that. Ten four. Hey, uh, for Christmas, I, I know some people that we see on a regular basis, whether it's you know mm -hmm. your barber, hairdresser, uh, mailman, uh, even your Amazon or UPS person, or you know somebody that delivers packages. Everybody's delivering packages these days. 
Like, who are you? Who do you plan on providing a little extra, maybe a little gift or a little baggie and maybe some money for this Christmas? Yeah, you know, uh, I've been on enough with you. You know, I think pretty simply. And the simple answer is those people I have a relationship with. That's who I tip well. My hairdresser, oh my gosh. I mean, I rely on her helping me look as good as I possibly can right? The barber, uh, a personal trainer, people, like you say, if it's an Amazon person that's regular, that's a choice, but I don't see that very often. In fact, they're contractors, I understand. Um, But just think about who is it I, who is it I want to say thank you in the way of some money? That's it. It's the relationship, even the the person at yeah. the donut counter that you see a couple of times a week, or maybe the coffee shop, uh, that nice mm-hmm. person. They, yeah, maybe not a lot of it went into to get you something, but you see the, that person on a regular basis. You you develop a relationship. You know, Sergio. Yeah. Yes, there is. I'll give you a, a great, I think, a nice story. There is an older gentleman, and I believe from another country. Pretty sure, based on language. Uh, accent, I should say. <clears throat> and this older gentleman is the one in the grocery store that goes out rain, sun, sleet, or snow and gets the, the um, uh, what am I trying to say, the cart, <laughs> yeah. whether it's a mile away or just right outside. Well, oh, the shopping cart? You mean the, like the shopping cart? Shopping cart, yeah. yes. Thank yeah. you, shopping cart. Yeah. And I watched him one day, and I saw... First of all, how sloppy a lot of people are. They just almost throw the cart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and sometimes they do. They look, parking is hard now. So their car may be way far away and he's the one that goes, that's the kind of person I pay attention to because well, they nice. are not really seen like the restaurant person that serves yeah. you. I I bet you that that accent that sounds foreign to you, uh, he's probably not. He, he's probably from Oklahoma. That's probably what it is. So, right. Be careful. I'm from Oklahoma City. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Just stepped into that one. All right. You did. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Valerie. Good to talk to you, as always. Thank you. Thank you. You how, too. How do folks okay. find you online? Real quick. Tell folks how to find you online. Tell them about your book. Real quick. Oh, good. Thank you. So uh, I own a leadership development firm, and I'd love you to go to my website. It's Valerie and Company, all spelled out. Author of the book, Do It Right. Good stocking stuff as well. Look for it. Merry Christmas, Val. Thank you so much. Until next time. This is The Sergio Show.